Jennifer Isabella. And I'm Keith Johnston. Your co-host for Forrester's podcast, What It Means, where we explore the major changes in the market influencing executive priorities. Today, we're joined by VP and Research Director Mike Crew to discuss Forrester's 2022 predictions for B2C CMOs. Welcome, Mike. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me, John and Keith. Awesome, Mike. 2022. You got an interesting angle. You're talking about the tale of two B2C CMOs. One with the data and the MarTech and CX and even product shops uh, expanding their remit. And then everybody else, which we refer to as possibly being displaced by the chief something officer or just relegated back to marketing. Can you give, on a high level, give us your take on the premise of this year's productions? Look, Keith, CMOs, as you know, have been on the defensive for many, many years. It is what we've been covering at Forrester, and we've seen their remit continue to shrink. There's a more complex landscape now, and there's been research that shows that they're among some of the least valuable C-suite execs through the perspective of CEOs. But one of the things that changed, it was the pandemic, and it really thrust marketing at the center of helping to figure out the solutions for so many brands on how to pivot, how to be more agile, how to respond to the marketplace. And I think in particular about companies that are retail companies or restaurants, whether they had to pivot to things like curbside pickup or new delivery mechanisms, this idea of innovation and agility is something that became so integral to the marketing function and put the CMO back into the spotlight. So is this just the phenomenon that maybe Keith has written about for the past couple of years in these prediction docs, just more acute or widening, like CMOs that have this additional experience or, you know, product shops and another experience kind of coming to the fore and just right, continuing to rise to, to the top and then sort of other legacy marketers kind of falling off a cliff? Or is there something unique beyond, I don't know, more complex landscape, the pandemic that's happening here that you're seeing? We've talked a lot about 2022 being the year that CMOs strike back because, you know, I had the chance to speak with over 40 B2C CMOs throughout the year. And there were a number of common themes that emerged. One of them is that CMOs very much see themselves as the voice of the customer, champion the customer. And as such, we see them taking things like CX very seriously and adopting more CX methodologies. We're seeing many of them upskill themselves, whether they're taking classes or finding new ways to learn about things like MarTech and data strategy. They know that if they don't do that, they will become irrelevant. So this notion of a tale of two CMOs is that we really do believe that 2022 we're seeing more of a spring in CMO's steps because of their victories throughout the pandemic. They are more emboldened. Um, we had a recent survey that showed that about 40%, uh, actually more than that, 92% of B2C CMOs uh, really believe that their CEO fully supports their marketing function. That's a high number. And it isn't necessarily at odds with the interviews that we did where 
there were at least a third of CMOs at that time earlier in the year who felt that their CEO didn't necessarily have their backs. But that's changing. And that is the basis for the predictions for 2022. Yeah. So uh, in all that, if I just click it up one more time, it, you you can't overlook the urgency and the pressure in this particular moment, given that we had a pandemic and yes, a bunch of CMOs stepped up. They changed delivery models, brand experiences, the way they communicate, because in some cases their customer was lost in this thing. It, they went away. You had to go find them. But on top of it all, you had the most societal, culture, and political disruption probably in an era that we've seen I don't know if we've ever seen as much. So tell me, why is the CMO that much more important now going through all that? Because there are higher expectations of brands today. That's coming from both the consumer side and the employee side. Consumers increasingly, we're seeing in our research, shows this, that they are expecting brands to take stands on more political issues. Employees are increasing in their activism and calling out brands that aren't staying true to their values. So this puts the CMO at really the, the center of a highly politicized environment. And, you know, we have seen year over year increases, especially from Gen Z and younger millennials that uh, are making purchase decisions based on shared values with brands. Yeah. And they're getting more involved in employee employee communications too, yeah? A lot more employee communications. Uh, you know, we have a prediction that says that uh, that over half of CMOs will make employee experience essential to brand planning. And this is based on our global marketing survey that we do every year. Uh, we have data coming back in January, but our data from this year showed that 48% of B2C marketing leaders indicated that improving employee experience will be a strategic focus over the next two years. So we're predicting that that number will be over half because when you think about the employee experience, it's so linked to the brand experience. That's right. You can't decouple the two. Uh, and so that becomes really essential to the brand planning process and puts the CMO squarely in the middle of it, partnering with the chief human resources officer, the chief people officer. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. We had in our future of work predictions, we we predicted that 40% of executives said that they were going to likely almost double their investment in employees. So it's going to be very interesting. It's like how much of that money actually goes to the CMO for internal communications versus technology, et cetera. It's, it's true. And it, and it also bleeds into what we were just talking about earlier. We did another survey back in September that showed that 53% of US online adults, 59% and in the UK said that they will likely boycott a brand if it mistreats its employees. So, you know, the idea of cancel culture comes into the playbook of the CMO and the marketer's purview and, uh, and employees are, are a big part of that. But it also underlines the point you were making earlier, you know, ex extending like CX chops and taking that as a part of extending the remit that EXCX link in, in equally important as the the brand EX link as you're you thinking of planning from a brand perspective it's it's so interconnected that not viewing that as a system could be probably pretty dangerous from an executive um chair 
The binding agent between BX and CX, as our very own Depongent Chatterjee says often, is the brand experience. It's the BX. And it's why another one of our predictions is that commerce specifically will catalyze 30%, 35% of CMOs into CX leaders. There wasn't a single CMO that, that I talked with who didn't say that CX uh, wasn't a top priority, meaning that more and more CMOs are really leaning into CX. They see that as a part of their remit because they see themselves first and foremost as the voice of the customer. And when we think about the pandemic and the disruption that it caused, it really caused brands to take digital transformation seriously. And, you know, when we look back at our data over the number of B2C marketing leaders who were responsible for CX, it has slowly risen from year to year. It was 24% in 2019 and in 2021, it was 28%. So we really believe that in 2022, that's going to be about 35%. And the reason for that is exactly what we were talking about, that commerce is something that is such an important part of the brand experience, especially as more and more consumers were forced to transact online, you know, essentially vanishing the, the digital divide. We don't expect those new behaviors of doing online grocery shopping to necessarily disappear when the pandemic is over. And so brands and CMOs in particular have to have a big voice and a large amount of influence into the commerce experience because that directly affects brand. So much of what we just talked about the last couple of minutes is some of the things that are squarely in what we see as the CMO's uh, remit. But uh, when we talk about this data, the MarTech and all that stuff, using commerce, um, it gets to a different skill set. So before we talk about the fate of the two kinds of CMOs you're seeing in 2022, it's probably important to actually look at, you know, even our own uh, B2C marketing uh, survey came back is that, you know, the top four out of the five of, you know, biggest challenges for marketers and their campaigns were all data related. Um, even business process was a high priority. Brand didn't even make the top 10 this year. Um, and communications. Let's talk about that, this new kind of skill set that is almost demanded of the CMO. It's very true. It was one of the top priorities for next year around data deprecation and the effects of everything that we're seeing, the different forces of it, uh, be it OS changes, the changes that Google is making, uh, companies and brands have to figure out what their data strategy is. So that by far is a top priority. And that does require having more of a technical skill set. You know, traditionally, CMOs have really leaned more into that right brain function of, of brand and promotion. Uh, but because of the nature of the environment of marketing and consumer behavior and technology advance, advances, they're having to flex into their left brains more and more. And so there are some CMOs that have risen to the challenge that can accept that and do that. And then there are others that just don't have that capabilities or the desire to flex into new areas. Uh, and that then creates this divide between what we're calling this tale of two CMOs in 2022. Are there CMOs that are uh, flexing into that area or that is that expertise that they're bringing in house? Are they partnering with agencies or how are they sort of overcoming that challenge specifically. 
It's a little bit of both. Uh, when it comes to data and MarTech, uh, Forrester is always going to recommend that brands have the capabilities in-house, but of course are working in a blended partnership model to complement uh, the skills and resources that maybe they don't have. Um, but it becomes increasingly more important in this data deprecated environment that uh, brands are prioritizing zero and first party data. And that requires that they're taking the lead and the ownership of that data strategy. Great. So look at all these conditions we have, uh, you know, economic uh, conditions that are always changing, all the society and cultural uh, unrest, uh, the reality that uh, there is the line has blurred completely between uh, physical and digital commerce. All this stuff, it's real. Systemic risk, uh, whether it be a pandemic or other, none of these things are going away. So, if 2022 is uh, where the the fork is in the road, if you will, the two divergent fates. Let's talk about fate one and fate two for the CMO. <laughs> Well, why don't we start? I, I always like the bad news first and then ending with the good news. So, you know, on the bad news front, which we've teased as, as we've been discussing, is that fate one is that CMOs who aren't able to find ways of upskilling themselves, they will be relegated to that one P within marketing, which is promotion and brand. And they will continue to be sidelined in their remit. Uh, through the likes of whatever chief something officer trumps them, if it's a chief customer officer or a chief growth officer. And we see this happening. We see it happening, especially in the retail category where Walmart has hired a chief customer officer and the CMO reports to that person and is really relegated to brand. CVS Health did the same thing. And then uh, you have company very recently, Under Armour, that hired a chief consumer officer and they're not going to be replacing their CMO. You look at a big company like Bank of America where their CMO is leaving the chief digital officer is now taking charge of the marketing function and they have no plans to replace the CMO. So you have to ask yourself, why is this happening? It's happening because of two reasons. Number one, CMOs are not keeping up with the changing landscape. That was one of the number one challenges we heard in over 40 interviews with CMOs, that they simply can't keep up with everything that is changing in the media and tech landscape. But the other reason that it's happening is because for Whatever reasons CEOs are not necessarily seeing, whether perception or reality, that their CMOs have the right skill sets to future-proof their company and their brands. So they're bringing in these fancy new titles to almost rebrand the marketing function and superseding what the CMO's remit is. It's a bit odd because at the end of the day, it's still marketing. And so the person who's in charge of marketing should be the chief marketing officer. And if they don't have the right skill set, then they should be replaced with a CMO that does. Yeah. And I'm, I'm thinking that so many are listening out, out there is like, I've heard this before. The, the chief digital officer thing has been going on for decades, you know, because the CMO wasn't uh, digital enough or tech savvy enough. You know, you'd hire a chief digital officer and that would fill the void. Um, but I just feel like we've been talking about this for too long. I mean, do you really think that 2022 is it? Like we just, you're either a CMO or you're not a CMO, or are we going to keep pushing this carousel of titles? 
2022, as we mentioned in the predictions report, is the year of transition. And the market is going to figure this out, but the onus is on the CMOs to advance their own careers and advance their own remits. And, you know, I was really happy and amazed to see a lot of CMOs that we spoke with who have really taken the reins of uh, building out their own skill sets and staying in sync, if not a little bit ahead based on their own curiosity of what it takes to be a modern CMO and what are the right competencies to do so. Uh, you know, there was some, again, as I mentioned, who went back and took classes or are just staying on top of the changing landscape by talking with vendors that are out in the space and just trying to stay one step ahead. And that's where Forrester comes into play as a, as a partner, really being on and by the side of B2C CMOs, where we can help guide them through this process to ensure that their careers and their remits are, are protected and, and advancing. All right. So then that brings us to fate two. I'm going to leave on fate one being highly optimistic that we're going to get out of this carousel. And then there's going to be a lot of CMOs not losing their jobs, but actually gaining a little bit more uh, ground in power. That's fate two, right? That is fate two. And it's predicated in part by what's happening with the great resignation. So meaning that uh, there are more choices and more opportunities now for CMOs uh, to have the right fit with brands. They can be a little bit more choosy uh, for their next role. And, you know, we also see, and this comes from the interviews that we did, where there were a number of CMOs that uh, either had at least heavy influence over product strategy, if not direct responsibility for product, which makes sense because marketing and product are hand in hand. Product is a part of marketing. So it's always a bit bizarre when we hear that CMOs don't have influence or responsibility for product. So those that do obviously are better positioned to be emboldened business leaders, we already talked about the expanding role and remit around CX, which again is just going to continue to grow in priority and is a natural fit for the CMO, given that they do champion the customer as one of their primary responsibilities. And then we come back to the technical chops. So MarTech and data experience. Um, they don't have to be experts in MarTech by any means, but they need to be able to lead their own MarTech teams and partner effectively with their technology counterparts, be it the CTO or CIO, in effectively deploying uh, the MarTech stack so that they're reaching their objectives. Another one of your predictions, which is on this line of, you know, budget resources, um, uh, you said 40% of CMLs will bolster their in-house agency's remit from execution to creation. I get that. You're saying it's, it's, it's not about like reproduction of assets now. You believe that the CMOs will be driving their campaigns and other things from inside the organization, right? That's exactly right. So we did uh, that CMO Pulse survey back in August, uh, and we heard from U.S. B2C marketing executives, 44% of them said that they plan to move more agency work to their in-house teams in 2022. And I'm really struck by uh, the likes of Copper Giants, which is Liberty Mutual's in-house agency. Uh, they recently produced their entirely uh, new campaign, which was T 
TV heavy, which, you know, as you know, is tends to be seen for whatever reason is like the holy grail of creativity. Uh, they did it all in house, uh, you know, for the first time, uh, which was pretty spectacular. And so we expect to see more and more of that. All too often, in-house agencies were really just the, the production shops, mass producing things that were commoditized, uh, picking up a lot of the, the table scraps left by the creative agencies. This isn't to say that there's not a role for the big creative agency as a complementary partner to, to brands that have in-house agencies. It's just that the balance of responsibility and power is starting to shift more and more in-house. The other part of the equation of this, of course, is the talent. Right. It is a, a talent market right now. It's tough to get talent, but in a lot of ways, given what happened to agencies as a result of the pandemic, there are a lot of seasoned and really great creatives out in the marketplace. And in-house shops are just sweeping them up. And so, you know, obviously the capabilities of an in-house shop is based on its people. And so getting great people with a lot of experience that is bold and creative is only going to help. Yeah. Uh, we talked about commerce uh, being, a, a you know, commerce, digital commerce, you know, really driving, um, you know, the, the growth of the CMO. In fact, you said 35% of CMOs will become CX leaders uh, through all this. Tell me about that. Does that mean their in-house capabilities are going to have more CX functions? Uh, does the CMO just have a, a bigger seat at the CX table? Uh, what's in that 35% to make them CX leaders? Well, specifically that data point, which, you know, again, we see increasing year over year and we're predicting it'll be 35% next year is CMOs who will be directly responsible for the CX function. Uh, there are many more than that from a percentage perspective that at least are in the discussions and having influence over the customer experience because of its brand experience implications. But the idea of uh, more consumers who are transacting online, in effect, transitioning business from physical interactions to more hybrid interactions yeah. really results in the CMO having to take more of a leadership role in the customer experience. So... Uh Speaking of representation, um, the last prediction this year is pretty bold. Um, this idea that uh, the CMOs and or their, the brands they represent are going to step in where governments fail to act. That's a bold statement. You want to talk about that one? It is a bold statement. But it's also something that we've already started to see in 2021. And it's because all issues now are politicized issues, uh, whether we like it or not. So yeah. it's becoming increasingly hard for brands to remain neutral on issues, especially when those political or politicized issues intersect with that brand's company values. Uh, you know, it, it is surprising uh, that things like masks in retail stores have become politicized, but it's these types of issues that are thrusting brands and forcing them to have to make stands around some of these issues just because of the divide that's happens, especially in the, the U.S. right now. This comes back to how we opened up this entire prod podcast saying that there are higher expectations of brands today because of employees and consumers. And we're seeing this move out of necessity from 
more performative virtual signaling to brands that are really taking action. You know, I think about what happened recently with the MLB and they pulled their all-star game out of Georgia uh, and took bold action because uh, they disagreed with what happened around voting rights. As we record this right now, uh, the U.S. Supreme Court is hearing arguments about the Texas abortion ban. And you can bet, even though there were few brands when this first happened a couple months ago that spoke out, that this is going to force more and more brands to have to choose a side and have to take a stand. Um, and that is just because of the nature of where consumers and employees and increasingly investors are, especially as it relates to ESG goals. Awesome. So, uh, Mike, I feel like, you know, I've done these predictions a couple of years. Uh, You just joined us. Uh, It's a fun process, but you know that there's one that was left on the cutting room floor that you didn't put into that document. What's the one bold prediction that you wish would have made it? That is such an interesting question. Uh, So, I mean, from a cutting room floor standpoint, I think, uh, you know, we call this predictions for B2C marketing and innovation. And while we addressed innovation a little bit, especially as it relates to digital commerce, more of our innovative predictions ended up in our media and advertising predictions. And, you know, the one that, of course, and maybe self-servingly jumps out at me are our predictions around the metaverse. You know, this has just become such a big part of the marketing discussion because it really is set up to be the next version of the internet. And if that really is the case, that has huge implications on not only how we all interact, but how brands interact with their consumers. So we tease that prediction in the marketing and advertising predictions doc and expect in 2022, I know this for a fact, that Forrester will be covering a whole lot more as it relates to the metaverse. All right, Mike. So um, tale of two B2C CMOs. My last question for 2022, does the M in CMO stay or go? It has to stay because marketing is marketing. And, you know, it's it's fun to toy around with new names and, you know, new titles. But at the end of the day, the head of marketing has to be called the chief marketing officer. Marketing, its founding principles aren't going to change. Uh, It's just that marketing continues to evolve with the consumer behavior evolving and how technology continues to change. So let's keep the M in the CMO, please. Excellent. All right. It was an awesome podcast. Thanks so much, Mike. Thanks, Jen. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. Thank you. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to Forrester's What It Means podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, or your favorite podcast player. To continue the conversation, follow Forrester on Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Thanks for listening.